Scripture says in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says there was a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophet. She came unto Elijah and she said, Thy servant, thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take him away and or take my sons, my two sons away to be bondsmen or to be slaves. Elisha said to her, what shall I do for thee? Tell me what hast thou, King James Version says, what hast thou in the house? And she said, thy handmaid hath not anything in the house save a pot of oil. Let's get it to where we are. What you got in the house? What's in the house? What's in the house? Can I tell you this morning that whether you, I hope you're able to understand this, what I'm fixing to say, there's always something in the house. Say, what, say that with me. There's always something in the house. Now here's the thing. Sometimes we may not see it. The widow, the Bible said, was alone. Her husband had passed away. She was destitute. She was stressed out, and, and she didn't have anything in the house, she thought. She didn't recognize the fact that she had anything in the house. When the scripture says she was a woman of one of the wives of the sons of the prophet. Following the death of King Solomon, if you didn't understand anything about what was going on in that day, there was a division of Israel into two kingdoms. And it was a period of indifference in that, in that general time frame. There was a period of apostasy, and especially the apostasy in the north. And during this time, men who maintained their faith in the Lord's formed study groups. We would understand it to be as connect groups or Bible study groups. But they formed these groups in various places simply for the purpose of keeping the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, of, of God, alive. These study groups were called companies of prophets or the school of the prophets. These men in these groups were not official prophets of Israel. But the Bible said the Lord blessed them with spiritual gifts including the gift of prophecy. And when you look at this, both Elijah and his successor, Elisha, maintained close relationship with these particular groups. And this, this is what happened. This woman, she only knew, that was the only place that she knew who to go to. She, she had to go to the prophet. She didn't have anything else. She was being, she, uh, the, the, the creditors was coming to, to take her two sons. That was what would happen in that period of time, Brother Joe. If you didn't have the money to take care of your bills, they would come and either take your children to become slaves, or they would send you, or you would have to go, or your husband or your wife, whatever the case may be, something would have to be done in order to pay the debt that was, that was being owed. Now when you think about this, and, I, and, and even in our day and time, I'm a little concerned, and you, and you may have heard me say this before, about the number of preachers and the number of ministers, the number of pastors, the number of members in the church, churches today who continually walk away from the church. Think about this. Many say they see no future in the church. How far are they really from the truth? Because there is a future in the church. There is a future in the church. There is a hope in the church. We have a hope, as Kurt was alluding to a while ago. There's coming a day that not only 
you as an American, but as a Honduran as well, we're going to stand around the throne and we're going to cast our, cast our crowns before the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have a hope today. And many may say, well, the, 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 the grass is greener on the other side, if you will. And everything that we, that we have to understand that glitters, though, is really not gold. Everything that glitters is not gold. In fact, I pray that, that, we, that we don't develop the attitude that this nephew of Abraham, this patriarch of old, who let the green grass deceive him. You say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Go back and look in Genesis chapter 13. Abraham, pick you out a spot. And, and Lot looked at the plain, the, uh, of the plain of the Jordan because it was fertile. It was green over there, Sister Mavis. It was, everything was nice. And he said to himself, oh, I, that's where I'm going. I'll be taken care of. And I'll, I'll have, I'm not going to go out there and live in the dirt somewhere. I'm not going to live in the desert. But uh, listen to me. Everything that seems okay may not necessarily be okay all of the time. And this woman had the same issue. that She didn't think that there was nothing in the house. She couldn't recognize nothing in the house. But can I tell you one more time? There's always something in the house. Our eyes has just got to be open. I want you to picture with me, if you will, two cows. And they're standing on each side of the fence. And one cow has got his, his neck through that fence eating grass on the other side while the other cow on the other side got his head through the fence and he's eating grass on the other side. I mean, look, think about this. For some reason, both of those cows think that they're eating the better grass because of the head is poked through the fence. This, could this be the plan of the enemy? Could this be the plan of the enemy for you and I to weaken our faith, to weaken our trust, and to weaken our commitment? I submit to you that there's possibly a chance that the enemy could be using that scenario right there in order to get us to say, there's something out there that I want better. There's something out there that I need to go out there and, and receive because it looks better. It looks greener. It looks finer. It looks more bright. And so we use this philosophy sometimes to leave the church and leave our faith because we think it's better out there somewhere. Now I'm about to preach. Y'all just hold on. But let me tell you one more time, there's always something in the house. Matter of fact, that's my first point. There's always something in the, in, in the house. This scripture here centers on this woman. This scripture centers on this desperate widow. This scripture centers on this mother who now is the head of her household. This widow was a, was a minister's wife. This, 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 this woman here had a long-standing faith in the church. This woman here was a faithful church member who is in serious financial reversal. Matter of fact, her last resort was to call the pastor of that day, who was Pastor Elisha. And so she called him up, this man of God, this prophet, if you will, this dean of the school of the prophet. And so she called Pastor Elisha. How many times have you or I or your spouse has, has, been, has, has been called by a desperate member who, who needed something, who was, who was totally, completely frustrated? And they say, there is no way out of this situation. Pastor, there's no way out of this situation. Our house is in foreclosure. I don't know what I'm going to do. Our automobile has, has been repossessed. I don't have a clue of how I'm getting back and forth to work so that I can earn the little money that they pay me. I don't have a clue. 
Our child has, has dropped out of college and we don't know where they are. Our son and our daughter, they've gone and, and we don't have any idea. The workman's compensation is going to soon end and I don't have a clue of what I'm going to do. The government entitlements are not enough to pull us through, Pastor. I don't have a clue what I'm going to do. What can we do? We do not have any money in the bank. You've heard all the stories like I have. We don't have any money in the bank. We don't have anything for emergency fund. We ain't even got an emergency fund. Matter of fact, our regular fund is depleted, and we ain't got nothing in the regular fund. We have nothing in the house. We've got nothing in the house. Now, everybody knows what nothing means, right? Zip. Nada. Nothing. You don't have anything. None. Without. Empty. Totally, absolutely without. I don't have nothing. But let me tell you one more time, there's always something in the house. There's always something in the house. What are you talking about, Pastor? I know you may be thinking, my house seems a little dark right now. My house seems a little gloomy right now. The house that I'm living in, the outlook is, is a little gloomy, but the outlook is glorious when you understand the fact that your daddy, the father that you serve today, owns the cattle of a thousand hills. You may not have any money in the bank, and you may not have a can of beans in the cabinet, but can I tell you, your daddy of who you serve, he is promised to take care of you and he's promised to give unto you and he said ask of me and see if I'll not show up and do something miraculous in your life amen and so no doubt in those moments we get disappointed and no doubt in those moments we get frustrated I've been there you have to in those moments we we exasperate every life within us so to speak we're stressed out with what's going on in the house you get to feeling like that, don't you, Kurt and Vonda and Weston, when you're over there in Honduras and you've been looking at the meager means of the people of that day, of the people in Honduras even, and people all around the world. When you, have to, when you, when you get to the place where you're going to get with a bunch of dogs and vultures and cows and eat, you ain't got nothing. Hello? Now, I've got to slow down here just a little bit because I've got to get you all woke up this morning because we're sitting back fat and sassy in our house and we ain't got a clue what you're talking about, Pastor. I got a dollar in the bank. But then you better bless God for it. I got a bed that I can sleep on. Then thank God for it. Because everybody don't. I've got an automobile that I can get in and I can crank it up because I put gas in it yesterday. I had money to do that, but there's some folks that ain't. They ain't got what you got. And it's time for you and I as an American church to be thankful for what God has blessed us with. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I watched a lady one morning, and I don't mean to be bringing this up in Honduras, but I watched her as we crossed the little creek in the river. You remember that when we went to that church sitting on the hill? Those of you that went, we went to a church one Sunday morning while you were here sitting in your pews and probably dad or whoever was preaching. We walked and we crossed this river that was up to my knees, Brother Sam, and we crossed it in a four-wheel drive truck while I watched this mother come with an umbrella carrying a baby, Sister Jeanette, with two other little toddlers about this high walking behind her. And I'm thinking, while we're crossing that river, how's she going to get across? Because that's the only way to get to church. There was no bridge. 
And so she walked upstream a little bit where the water was not as deep for the little toddlers and she grabbed them by the hand along with her umbrella and baby. They grabbed a hold of her shirt tail or skirt tail or whatever the case it was and they, and they followed that mama across that river to go to church that morning. I don't have a clue how far they had to walk. And all in my mind, I'm thinking, God, I know what's at the end of this service, Sister Sue. She's going to get a 40-pound sack of food. How in the world is this mother carrying everything that she's got going to carry this food back home with her? But she did it. And this is the point I want to make to you. We would think, dang, we ain't got no way to get to church. We can't get out of our house a few days ago because our driveway was covered with water. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. You know I am. And we think we got it bad this day. But every time I get to thinking I got it bad, I just remember some of the things I witnessed over in Honduras or Venezuela. Hello. I get to remember some of the little babies that, that has to do what they have to do to fend for themselves. I remember going to the city dump and I'm standing out there watching a vulture eat with a little bitty baby. Hello. How in the world can this be? How can it happen in, in where we are today in 2018? But it happens every day, amen. Can I tell you, if you'll look hard enough, there's always something in the house. I know it may look gloomy, and I know it may be disappointed and, and frustrated and all of those kind of things, but don't look for outside sources in order to fill your need. It's God that's going to fill your need this morning. The White House is not going to fill your need. The president is not going to fill your need. Uh, presidents that was before this president is not going to fill your need. It's not going to do it. Former presidents don't have the answers. Congress and the Senate, they don't have the answer. But I've come to tell you that the answer is found in Jesus Christ and in the house of God. Matter of fact, John chapter 14 verse 2 said this, In my Father's house there's many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. There's coming a day, as Kurt said a while ago, that I'm going to be standing before the King of Kings, and I just might be standing behind, beside a Honduran that I was in church with a few years ago, Brother Keith, lifting holy hands and giving him praise and giving him honor and worshiping King Jesus. Why? Because that's the God that fills my life. That's the God that supplies my cabinets. That's the God that puts gas in my car. That's the God that put food on my table. I may not think there's nothing in the house, but all I got to do is look a little closer in the cupboard. There's always something in the house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord says I have a house. He said I got a house. I've got a place of habitation. There's always something in the house. That's a problem that you and I have. We, find, we, we try to find help in places that can't give us help. We try to exhaust the things that we know. It ain't going to happen. Now, you may get lucky sometimes, and you may in your own ingenuity figure out some stuff, and that's okay. That's what God intends for you to do. But, I mean, when you ain't got nothing, you better look to God, who's the source. Amen. In the All Nations Fables, some of you may, may have read this in school. The magician, he gets a wand in his hand and he waves this wand around and 
He may say some magic words of hocus pocus and abracadabra and all that kind of stuff and poof, there it appears. Riches untold, they're there. We've watched the movies where Aladdin gets this old lamp and he rubs the lamp and all of a sudden the smoke comes out and a genie pops out, brother Adam. And he gives us three wishes. And we tell him what the wishes are. We might have a gorgeous palace that'll rise up before us and our bank account may become full and all of these kind of things. And we may put on a wishing cap and we may wish for all kinds of things. But that, in that little woman's day, there was no such thing like that. There's no such thing like that. There was no such thing that was going on in this poor widow's house. She tried everything, and everything failed. Let me read it. She tried everything. She sought, but she did not find. She asked. She begged, and she did not receive. She knocked, but no doors were even open, as the Scripture alludes to for her. Her creditors was coming and demanded her two sons and when she had nothing left in the house to make a payment. And you, you mamas, you've got to understand what probably that felt like to her. I don't know what I'm going to do, but they're coming. I don't know what I'm going to do, but they're coming to take my boys. I don't have a clue what I'm going to do, but these boys that I love, these boys that I raised, they're coming to take these boys. They're, they're coming because I can't make a house payment. And her last resort was to call for the man of God, Elisha. And Elisha begins to ask her some questions. What do you want me to do for you? What can I do for you? Matter of fact, what, what do you have in the house? This widow's first response, you know the scripture, she said, Lord, I don't have nothing. I mean, you, you can read in, the, in, the, in, the, in between the sentences, I, I, I've sold everything. I've sold, the, I've sold the furniture. I've sold my clothes. I've sold all the tools. I don't have nothing left in the house, but all of a sudden, it dawned on her. Well, I got a little something. I ain't got nothing of value, but I've got a, I've got a little something. It's a, it's a little jar of cooking oil. And that's all it took right there. That's all it took. Thank God that he takes the little things and makes big things out of them. Amen. Thank God that he deals in the little and not the big so much. Thank God, Brother Joe, that he can take my finite and make something massive out of it. And he took that little, little jar, little cruise of oil. God knew there was something left in the widow's house. And he knows there is something in your house as well. He knows there is something in the church house. It, my Bible said, upon this rock, I will build my church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. There's always something in the house. Amen. Another thing I want to tell you is there's always safety in the house. Safety, when you look at that, safety is security. Now, this woman thought she didn't have anything, so her security was, was gone. Well, what am I going to do? They're coming. She knew they were coming. She understood the, the, the law of the, uh, of the day. She understood what would happen if, if she couldn't pay her bill. She said, yeah, she understood all of that. They're coming. Security. How many knows that safety is shelter for you and I? When the storms come... Some of you have a, a storm shelter that you go to, right? When it gets bad enough, you get out in that storm shelter. Why? So you can be safe. You protect yourself. You protect yourself. Safety is security. Proverbs eleven fourteen says this, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there 
is safety. In the multitude of counselors, there is safety. As a matter of fact, some of you remember the old redback hymn that we used to sing? It simply says this, what a fellowship and what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness and what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. And the chorus says, I'm leaning, I'm leaning. And this is the part I want you to get, I'm safe and secure from all harms. Why? Because I'm leaning, I'm leaning, and I'm leaning on the everlasting arms of Jesus Christ. I'm safe and secure from all alarms. I'm leaning on the everlasting arms. Safety means protection. Hallelujah. We're protected by the all-wise God. We're protected by the all-knowing God. We're protected by God, by the Lord that created us. We're protected by God that knows everything that we're going through. I'm protected by God, even though when I don't have a clue what the future holds, my God knows the future. My God plans it ahead. My God looks ahead of me, Brother Keith, and he knows every footstep I'm going to take. How can you say that, Pastor? Because he's my God. He's my creator. Everything I am and everything I'm not belongs to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Safety. Safety. Psalms 46 and 1 says, God is our refuge. God is our strength. He goes on to say he's a very present help in the time of need. Hallelujah. In the time of trouble. Verse 5, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her and that right early. When there is protection and safety in the house, there's concern and there is care. Psalms 27 tells us, when the wicked, even my enemies and foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and they fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this will I be confident, amen, for the simple fact of knowing that God is my sustainer, for the simple fact of knowing that God is my source, for the simple fact of knowing, Sister Marilyn, that every time I get up and every time I put one foot in front of the other, God understands and God cares. For the simple fact of just understanding, Brother Keith, I know, I know, I know that I know that God cares for me and God loves me. If he didn't love me, he would have never sent his son to die on the cross of Calvary but because his son came it could have just been me it could have just been you and he would have done exactly the same thing hallelujah there's always something in the house there's safety in the house there's security in the house there's security in the house security let me bring up another story of Honduras I don't know why I'm this not even thinking about this, but when I think about this security thing in Honduras, what you guys missed of going to that city dump, we went to that city dump, one of the, I can't remember what time we went, and we had 40 pairs of shoes, you've heard me tell this, I think, anyway, in the van. There's 800 people out there. How in the world are we going to put 40 pairs of shoes on 800 people? Bro? But you can't do that, Paul. You can't, it doesn't, mathematically, it doesn't work out. How are we going to do this? And so it was decided by Omar and Brother Eric and some of us said, we're just going to leave these shoes in the van and we're going to get out and we'll take the shoes and give to somebody else that we see on the road. So we all got out and we're standing around this van, that blue van that you see on the pictures sometimes in Facebook. But Brother Eric gets a, gets a pair of shoes out and sneaks a pair of shoes to this lady that he met, Angelica. 
that, that lived there, not lived there, but she'd done her work there, and her daughter worked there in the city dump, and she, he snuck her a pair of shoes. And that was okay. But there was another Honduran with us that I didn't know who he was, and he went back to the van, and he got another pair of shoes to give to another guy that he knew. That was the mistake. Because he didn't conceal it, and he didn't hide it. And when he went back to that van the second time, and he pulled out that pair of shoes, it was almost... 800 pairs of eyes almost instantly was, was glued to that van. And within seconds, I'm telling you within seconds, everybody in that city dump, it seemed like, maybe not everybody, but it seemed like everybody swarmed that van. And I remember thinking, standing there, I said, Lord, this is not good. This is not good at all. It was almost like a mob scene, if you will. Now understand with me, when you're, when you're desperate, you'll do whatever you have to do to survive. Now, we don't understand it because we've never been desperate before. Oh, Brother Danny, you don't have a clue. I went without lunch one day. Well, bless your heart. Maybe you need to go without lunch some more days. Call it fasting and get some good out of it. I know I'm being a little hard, but we don't understand what desperation is. We don't. These folks are desperate. And Brother Joe, they stormed that van, basically. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, this is not good. This is not good, Lord. You're going to help it. And I begin to pray. God, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to put safety on us. You're going to have, you have to protect this team. Because these people didn't know us from Adam. They, they just wanted something. They wanted a pair of shoes. They just wanted something. And Omar told us very quickly, he said, get in the van. Get in the van and, and, and don't open the door. And we all got in the van, and he's out there talking to these folks in their language. And God was able to use him and bless him, able to speak to them and say, tell them how sorry we was because we didn't have the adequate supplies that we needed. But when we come back, we would bless them and we'd give them. And of course, there was two or three that really got mad and they was throwing things and, and all of that, but typically everything was fine. Why? Because there's safety in the house. And God used that and God blessed us with that. Amen. God helped us with that. God got us out of that situation. There's always something in the house. But we've got to understand there's safety in the house as well with the Lord Jesus Christ. The third thing I want to leave with you this morning is simply this. There's salvation in the house. There's salvation in the house. Amen. Salvation is, is in the house because the Lord is in the house. Salvation is in the house because he's here. We show up every Sunday and Wednesday night to worship him. Why? Because he meets us here. Amen. He meets us here. He's in the house. Psalms 27 and 1 says, The Lord is my light. And he's my salvation, whom shall I fear? The question could be rephrased to say this, I have nothing to fear, amen. I've got nothing to fear. Salvation is a complete deliverance, hallelujah. You remember me telling you story after story when I was growing up and we would go hunting and dad would leave me here and dad would leave me there and I would be at other places and I'd get fear would grip my body as a little boy and, and because my father was not there, but can I tell you, when my father showed up, all fear subsided. I was safe because dad was there, because my father was there. I may not have been that way five minutes earlier, but all of a sudden when I saw him coming through those woods and I saw him coming through the trees, all 
all the fear left me and I was all right. You heard me tell the story that I don't know how old I was, five years old maybe when he left me by that little pond and it was getting close to not nighttime and, and, the, and, the, and the frogs started croaking and the crickets started cricking and, and all these noises by this little pond that was taking place for a little boy and he was off. He didn't worry about me. He was out turkey hunting somewhere. He, he was going to come back to me but I decided, Sister Mavis, I ain't about to stay here. I don't have a clue where I'm going. I don't know how to get back to the house. I don't know where mama is and I don't know where daddy is but there's one thing that I know. I ain't stand sitting on this log sitting by this little pond and I got up as a little short-legged little fella and I started running through the woods and I just run and I run and I run and all of a sudden I hit him smack dab in the belly and he said he had to run to catch up to me. I don't know what I was fixing to do but I just knew I was scared slapped to death and I wasn't going to stay there and I thought about that time and time and time again and you and I we get in the same situation as God's people we get a little bit intimidated by the enemy and we get scared of what the enemy is doing in our life and we begin to get up and run can I tell you you can run smack dab into the gut of the Lord Jesus Christ and he's promised to take care of you but when dad showed up everything was all right hallelujah Boy, y'all need to shout better. Everything was all right. Everything was all right. Because daddy showed up. Everything's all right. Have you ever done this as a little kid? You're walking hand in hand with, you, with your father. And you're not paying attention to anything. You just got him by the hand. Or your mother. It could be either one. And you're paying attention to all the things that's that's going on around you and by and by you sort of drop his hand and he drops your hand and you're, you're, you're believing that he's still there, Brother Keith. But, and all of a sudden you grab a hold of another hand and you think it's your parents' hand or your father or your mother's hand. And you walk with that person for a little while. And all of a sudden you look up and it ain't them. Have you, anybody ever done that before? I, am I the only one that done that? <laughs> okay, we got two or three in the house. Now, I don't have a clue how old I was. This one was in New Jersey. I don't know if you remember this or not. This one was in New Jersey. And we was at this flea market thing. You remember that? They used to do the big flea markets. And it, people was all around. And we was walking. We was looking at this flea market stuff. And I grabbed a hold of this guy's hand. And I looked up to this man. And he ain't my daddy. And I'm thinking, what do you got my hand for? Now, today, because of all the stuff that's going on, that would be a very, very dangerous thing. Back then, it wasn't some dangerous little guy. He just had my hand. He was just getting amused by it. But I, ha I let go of his hand quickly because all of a sudden, Sister Rains, fear rose up in my little heart. And I'm trying to find where my, where my safety is. Where my safety? Where is my salvation? I, I had my salvation in my hand just a few minutes ago. Being my father or my mother, but now my salvation wasn't there. Where, where are they going? We found them. But, but as God's people, really in Psalms 27, we could say, I have nothing to fear because the Lord is with us. The Lord is with me. We're delivered in God's house by the power of God. Do you understand that the chain of sin is broken in the house of God? The power of sin is broken. We're set free from the power of sin. And finally, we are set free from the penalty of death. 
because he is in the house. Amen. I used to not be able to say that, Sister Marilyn. I used to not be able to, to stand up here and say, hey, I'm delivered from the penalty of sin, and that's death. But I can say it today, amen. And you can say it as well if you've been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Salvation brings a hunger for the word of God like there's never been a hunger, amen. If there's ever a time we need to be hungry for the word, we need to be hungry for it today, amen. The word of God brings healing. The word of God satisfies our hunger. The word of God brings comfort to you and I. The word of God is profitable for doctrine, the Bible said, and reproof and correction and instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Timothy tells us salvation is always in the house. And then the last thing this morning is this, sacrament. Everybody say sacrament. Now some of y'all, we don't use that word a whole lot, but you know what that word means. It's, it's when we take communion. It's when we take care of the sacraments of the Lord. The worship of God of what we do every Sunday morning is in the house. That's why Sometimes a pastor, and even myself, will come up here like I've done today and say, hey, y'all got to shout better. Why, why, do I, why do you say things like that, pastor? Because I want you to get it. I don't, want you to just do, I don't want you to miss what God is wanting to say to you. Pastor, why do you tell us we need to wake up sometime? Because you're asleep. That was a tough one, wasn't it? That's just, simple, that's just the way it is. You're asleep. How do you know I'm asleep? Because I'm looking at you. You're looking at me, but I'm looking at some of you going like this. <laughs> I hope I'm not that boring. I'm not I'm just picking at you that, but I'm, I'm talking about there's times when, as, as a pastor or even, or even, Sister Michelle knows this, even as a worship leader, sometimes we can look at you as a congregation and we can see when you get it and when you don't. Maybe that's just part of the calling, I don't know. But you can recognize the fact that I, I'm getting the truth right now. I'm getting the truth. Sacrament in the house. The worship is in the house. When we come to the Lord's house, now hear me, we don't necessarily come all the time just to be entertained. There's times that we do. These guys are getting ready to start up in a few weeks about the, the singing Christmas tree and be practicing and you'll be entertained during those, during those services, but you'll be blessed as well. But it's part of an entertainment thing. But when we come into the house of God, she's not here to entertain you. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm not that good. <laughs> I don't talk. Thank you, Jeanette. <laughs> Toby, you're going to have to muzzle her. <laughs> I don't talk that well. I'm not that educated in the sense that I'm going to awe you. I know that. You ain't got to tell me that. <laughs> but what I am giving you is the Word of God. And whether you listen to me or not, or whoever, it's the Word that's going to put muscles upon you. It's the Word that's going to put meat on your bones. It's the Word that's going to carry you the next day. It's the Word that's going to strengthen you. It's the Word. That's why, that's why the Word of God is so... You, you need to be into the Word. 
You need to be into the Word. The preaching of the Word is in the house. Singing hymns and spiritual songs are in the house. Songs like they sung this morning and songs like says, Oh, I want to see Him. Look upon His face. There to sing forever of His saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me... How does it, how does it go? Let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. Spiritual songs is in the house. Prayer is in the house. It should be in the house. The house is filled with music and the quantity of fellowship of 1 John 1 and 7 when it says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What are you talking about, Pastor. My Bible tells me we've got fellowship with God. We've got fellowship with, with heaven. We've got fellowship with the angels and Jesus and the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanses us from all sins because it happens in the house. Now there's other things that takes place in the house. Weddings sometimes take place in the house. <laughs> Funerals sometimes take place in the house. Baptisms sometimes take place in the house. But here's a few other things. In the house, Brother Roger, there's privilege as a child of God. I'm privileged to be in the house this morning. Yes, I am. I'm privileged to be in the house this morning, being able to worship God. I could have woke up sick. I could have woke up or not woke up at all. Hello? I'm privileged to be in the house. In the house, I've got peace. In the house, I've got purity. In the house, I've got grace that's bestowed on me and the power of Almighty God. In the house, I've got the Holy Ghost power that comes and surrounds me every day. I've got resurrection power. I've got power to live right. I've got power to walk right. I've got power to talk right. And I've got power to do right. Why? Because His power's in the house. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Pastor, it ain't nothing but a vessel of oil. It's nothing but a little cruise of oil. It's nothing but a little jar of oil. That's all it is. You understand that any time the oil is used in Scripture, it, it is symbolic to the Holy Spirit. When you got a little bit of Holy Spirit, you got a bunch of dynamite, spiritually speaking. It's a dunamis power. Of the Father. Amen. Hallelujah. Symbols of the Holy Spirit are, and we read about is wind and water and oil and fire and dove. If everything else is removed from my house, then leave the oil. Hallelujah. If everything else is gone, then leave the oil. If the keyboard is gone, leave the oil. If the pews is gone, leave the oil. If the comfortable chair you're sitting in is gone, leave the oil. If the carpet is off the floor, then Lord, leave the oil. If I ain't got air conditioners we were talking about a while ago, just, Lord, leave the oil. If I ain't got nothing but your presence, God, do not take your presence away from me. Amen. You can take my power. You can take my palace. You can take my plan and you can take my land. You can take the passion that I may have and you can take my positions and all of these things and you can take the, 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 the push or the pull and the drive that I have. But Lord, don't take the Holy Spirit from us. Don't take 
your Holy Spirit from us. Don't take it. The little lady, when everything else was gone, she'd had a, no doubt a pretty meager livelihood when her husband was around. She didn't worry about anything because he was taking care of everything. She just done what she done. She done her chores. She done her duties. She as a, as a wife, as a mother, and everything was fine up until there was a dramatic change that took place in her life. The priest of her house was gone. Her husband was gone. Her two boys' father was no longer there to raise them. The way that they needed to be raised was gone. The Bible isn't clear of how long this woman had to be in that, sister, that condition, Sister Rain. It's not clear if it was a month or a year or two years or five years, whatever the case, in order for her to be depleted of everything that she had. doesn't say. But what we do know is that she had nothing because that's what she said. The prophet asked her, what do you got? What hast thou in the house? Ain't got nothing. I don't have nothing. I don't have nothing. I told the church Wednesday night. And let me look around to make sure that they may not be here because I don't want to embarrass them. I had a family to come into my office last week. A father and a mother and a little boy and a little girl. And when they came, I'd been doing this long enough. I knew, Brother Ronnie, they didn't have anything. They had no place to live. They were homeless. He had a job, but it didn't, he, it didn't start until this, this uh, last Friday, this past Friday. He got a job, which he was thankful for, but he didn't have anything. He had no place to stay. had nothing to eat. The longer I talked to him, the more I understood, Brother Keith, that he, that he's telling me the truth. They have nothing. There's two or three, two or three reasons why I know that. Most of the time, if I got people that have come and need help from our church, the dad, if there's a dad present, is too prideful and embarrassed to come into my office. They won't come. They'll send the woman every time. Now, you say what you want to. You say, well, that, he's a no good, no good scumbag. No, that's just how he's made up. So his pride and his embarrassment and all that wouldn't allow him to come many times. He'll send the mother or he'll send the children. But this week, the dad came. And while I was talking with him, and I would give him some food and I'd give him a place to stay, tears began to roll down this man's face. Not the mother's, but the dad's face. The little kids looked at me because they, I gave them. Now, now think about this. Again, we, we sometimes, we don't, we don't get it. Doug, I, I gave these two little kids a little... Uh, I, don't even, I don't even know the name of it, but it was a, it was a little lasagna or a spaghetti that you, you put in a microwave and you heat up. One of those little fast food kind of thing. You stick it in there and heat up and then you eat it out of the little bucket, the little, little tote. I gave the little boy and little girl each a little tub of that and their eyes just lit up thinking I just gave them a, a, a T-bone steak. Now, you, you, listen, listen, hang with me just a little bit. I don't know what time it is, but, but hang with me. If, if, I, if I would come up to you and I would give you a little tub of macaroni and cheese or spaghetti, you might take it and you may say thank you, but I can promise you, I can look on your face, you say, I can't believe what he done. 
You'd snub your nose at it. And probably I would too. Let's just be honest with ourselves. There's just some key things that you know when people are in need and they lit up. And I knew then they were hungry. So I give them some other ramen noodles that I had and I give them a can of Oreos, or not Oreos, but uh, SpaghettiOs. And I give them some stuff that I had in the, in, the, in the cabinet back here. Give them a place to stay and the dad shook my hand three times before he left my office and said, Pastor, I just want to say thank you. I can pay you back Friday, he said. I said, no, sir, I don't want your money. Don't pay me back. You go be blessed. Take care of these babies. And I said, but if you guys don't have a home church, I said, I want you to come. I said, these kids need a church. They need some other boys and girls to hang around them. And I said, you and your wife, you need a loving family that can wrap their arms around you and love you back to where you need to be. And he said, we're going to come. Now, I don't know if they're going to come or not, but that's what he told me. I hope they do. See, that's what God has called. There's always something in the house. Pastor, it's just a little bitty jar of oil. I will tell you, what's in that little bitty jar of oil is more than enough for you. Hallelujah. What's in that little bitty jar that you've got in your house? That little bit of whatever is in your house that you may feel like is insignificant. Whatever, whatever abilities and whatever talents that God has given you that you feel like is nothing. I'm going to tell you, it's more than enough to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. Amen. I've told you this before, but you understand why God blesses you, right? Why? To be a blessing. To bless somebody else to take the gospel somewhere else, to share the love of Jesus somewhere else. He wants to bless you. and We've just got to be open to his blessing. Would you stand all over this house and let's bow our heads and close our eyes real quick. Hallelujah. Father, we come before you right now, Jesus. We come before you, Lord. And Lord, it's possible that there may be some in this house today that feel like life is hopeless. They feel like, God, that they'll have nothing. Oh, they may have some material things, but in their spiritual life, God, they feel like that they're empty today. They can't find nothing. They can't seek nothing because they feel like nothing is there. And the Lord is constantly asking us, Lord, what's in our house? What's in our heart? What's in our life? What have we been blessed with? What do we possess that God wants to use to be a blessing to us? Father, I'm asking you right now that you'd open up our hearts and you'd open up our eyes today. And I'm asking you to help us see the little bit of oil or the little bit of talent or the little bit of faith or the little bit of love, or the little bit that we have. As the old song we used to sing, little is much when God is in it. God, I pray that you take that truth and apply it to our life today. Take that truth and apply it to our soul today. In the name of Jesus, wake us up, O oh God, of our empathy. Wake us up, O oh God, of our complacency. Wake us up, O oh Lord, of not using what you've 
blessed us with. Not using what you've gifted us with. Not using the little oil that we have in the house. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you say, Pastor Danny, my life is empty. My life, I feel like, is wasted. I feel like there's nothing left in my life. But this morning, after listening to you, I feel like I have a little bit of oil left. I got a little bit of faith. I got a little bit of something that God has deposited in my life that's there on the shelf, and I want to use it for the glory of God. I want Him to come in and restore what the enemy has taken, where I can begin to fill up vessel after vessel after vessel. If that's you, I want you to get out of your seat and come down and meet me in this altar right now. I'm not going to take a lot of time, but if that's you, I want you to meet me here. I want to have prayer with you. If that's you this morning, I don't care who you are, you may be a council member. You may be a teacher in this church. You may be a leader in this, in this community. It doesn't matter. God wants to use you. God wants to be effective. He wants you to be effective. Would you come? Would you come as they get ready to sing something for us? Would you come and sell out to the Lord? Would you come and allow God to pour His oil in upon you in the name of Jesus? Would you come and allow the Lord to meet your need today in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.